Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, and I'm joined by Chase. Dude, the fall is here. I don't know if it, when this episode specifically is going to drop, but right now it feels like fall, and you warned me that there was going to be a cool front that would come in late September, and then it was going to warm back up. Is it? Is this what you were talking about? Uh, yeah, man, this is, uh, this is it. Normally it comes Dang. like about a week before the season or something, it, it feels like, but this year it almost seems like, or at least in my zone, we're going to strike where there's a, a cool front that comes in the first week of the season. Yeah. So we yeah. kind of, we kind of lucked up on that. <laughs> How about that? And, and what, what are the temperatures going to look like for you for opening day? Uh, for opening day down here? Well, I'm not going to be hunting opening day, but I think Gasp. that... It will be about 20 degrees cooler than average than what it has been being. Yeah. So that's a substantial drop uh, anywhere. So hopefully uh, the deer will be on their feet for everybody getting out there uh, opening, opening day. And then I think it's supposed to cool off even more uh, as the days go on for like four or five days there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the 10 day forecast right now and I'm blown, at what I'm blown away by what I'm seeing here. I mean, I'm not going to have a day above 80 one for the next 10 days and there's going to be lows in the high 60 low 60s high 50s what the heck is who left the refrigerator open (laughs) yeah man that's awesome yeah we're gonna be it looks like we'll be about 15 degrees cooler in the morning and about 15 degrees cooler in the evening time than uh what it has been being uh for a good solid week so that's dude we that's we poor mouth this we poor mouth the hunting conditions down here so bad badly it's almost like somebody gave us a break yeah yeah we did we have uh, <laughs> although we just heard a story about how uh it was 40 degrees <laughs> one on one morning on a hunt uh that, that's true uh, alex just went on so <laughs> we won't be seeing that for a while <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wouldn't argue if we did but yeah you're probably right <laughs> no no it would be great i can remember one bow season probably in the last 10 where it started off in the 40s one morning and i was like where am i sitting at this can't be florida um and that was probably uh, had to be five or six years ago now um, of when it actually got that cold during uh, actual bow season, archery season down here. So yeah. maybe we'll get that this year. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I'm I'm not arguing. If someone wants to leave the refrigerator hanging wide open, uh, I, I will take it. Because, dude, my opening weekend was last weekend, and that was a bear. It was hot, man. It wasn't as hot as it could have been, but it was, it was not uh, lows in the 60s cool. Yeah, that's right, man. Opening weekend, you got a you got a head start on me this year. Your opening weekend was this past weekend. I think you should kind of break that down for uh, all of our listeners on what went on opening weekend for Walt. Yeah, man. I mean, so uh, opening weekend for me started in Southwest Georgia, guys. This will be the the first year since oh man, 2014. I think was the last time that I hunted 
in uh, out of state, out of, out of the state of Florida, and I bought that non-resident tag at you know three hundred and thirty dollars, and got after got up there and, and hunted over uh, the first morning. But actually, both both sit Saturday. I hunted over persimmon groves in a little slough, and basically the conditions were this. Um, guys, I've, I've never seen this piece of public land before. Um, well, I haven't hunted it before. I've scouted it, but I've got very little to go on. It's uh, mainly mainly managed for, like, uh, quail and whatnot, and uh, didn't really know what I was going to get into, dude, to be honest with you. I had a good BS theory that uh, that, that there was agriculture about – 400 yards north of where I was hunting, and it was nothing but open pines between that agriculture and where I was hunting. And uh, I put up trail cameras, started scouting this place in July, ran trail cameras, and 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 slowly saw deer hit a certain pattern where it looked like they were using this um, this thicket that I had found as a as a bedding area, a travel corridor, and they could kind of move north and south without being seen. Um, and so I, I set up on that on that travel corridor for opening day uh, based on that theory and uh, got there early. Um, and as every opening day goes, there <laughs> you're knocking the dust off everything. You know, I mean, it's just it's kind of how it happens. And I'm sitting there getting my stuff ready, and here comes this dude down the tr- the trail and uh, about about to walk down the trail myself, and he goes, "Hey, man." where are you hunting? And we start going back and forth about where I'm going. And he goes, Oh, I got a, I got a tree stand back there. I put it in there back last week. I'm gonna hunt that, that bottom. And I said, no, man, I'm, I'm gonna hunt this bottom. You know, I was here first. I'm gonna hunt this bottom. You're, you're welcome to go. You know, this road goes for a thousand yards. If you want to keep going past that bottom, you're welcome to, but I'm gonna hunt this bottom. So he parks, gets out the truck, starts putting his stuff on, just completely ignore me. So I said to heck with it and started walking down the path with him ahead of him a good little ways. And, uh, I get to the bottom where I'm going to bomb off, and the dude walks up and goes, oh, this ain't the bottom I was talking about. And I was like, well, there you go. See, problem solved. He goes, I'm, I'm going to go hunt the power line. <laughs> dude, I'm going to tell you this right now. There is no power line where that dude went, so I don't know what he was doing <laughs> or, or where he was going, but he had a long walk <laughs> if he was going to find any kind of power line. I, maybe he's talking about some straightaway, but... <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh man, the, so, the joys of opening morning on public land, right? I mean, and and these guys, listen, they were quite the character. We're talking blaze orange. I don't think I've even told you this part yet, have I? What they no. were wearing? Nope. Blaze orange tank tops with cargo shorts and snake boots. That's what these dudes were wearing for deer for deer season. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I mean, they they had it figured out. They were they were uh they knew what they were doing man so they they go in that bottom and as i'm climbing up the tree a deer blows and takes off and i'd like to say that was the last time but i had three more deer come down that same path that morning a path i didn't know was there i should have known it was there but i didn't know it was there and basically i was hunting a very marginal wind if the deer came the direction they had been on the trail camera the whole time then the 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 deer would have never seen me. They would have never smelled me. And by the time they walked out, they would have been in the in the in the danger zone. Um, but as always, the deer knew better, and they came from the opposite direction down this trail. And over the course of that morning, um, I don't know, maybe an hour or two, a deer would come down this trail, and they'd hit my scent, and they'd blow off. And I'll be honest, a lot of people would be discouraged, but to me, having not hunted that spot, having no historical fall, what is their fall pattern like, um, not really being able to get on a whole lot of sign, um, it felt really good to get on deer because I had a really good buck on camera, and that that very well could have been him. Yeah, yeah, it could have, and uh, you got some more intel just from going and doing that hunt that morning. So yeah. hopefully you got that trail marked on your Onyx. I, I do. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think I may this area I, I talked to one of the locals gets pounded by people a lot, and so I may kind of surrender this area uh, as the season progresses. Um, but I, I think I'll probably give it one more go because if the forecast holds as it is right now, unless there's another trail I don't know about, which is entirely possible, the wind should be completely in my favor and that whole bottom should be fair game. So I'm thinking I might give it one more go, uh, one more morning hunt, because in the evenings I have got a persimmon tree on the other side of this swamp that uh, is probably, I'd say, two, 300 yards away. 
and uh, deer coming to it pretty frequently in the afternoon, man, uh, including several bucks that are in velvet. So, um, I, you know, I hunted that evening. I didn't see any of them, but uh, I pulled that camera, and I had uh, – it had been sitting there for uh, right at a month, and I had 900 fo- 700 photos on that oh, wow. camera. That's really Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, all of which were deer, largely. Um uh, only a couple does, one little fawn, and then bucks every afternoon come into that to that tree. So kind of going to stick to the same plan just to kind of confirm what I saw. And then if something doesn't change, then I might hunt a totally different spot altogether next time. Yeah, yeah, that makes but, sense. I mean, yeah. if your trail camera's lighting up in that area in the evening time, that's where I would be. Uh, yeah, and, well, and, like and said, I didn't see something any... dr- drastically changes and you kept that camera in that area, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, of course I did. Yeah. Well, and I got down about 930 on purpose, and I'm sure somebody's thinking, dude, you got to stay in the stand longer than that. But I got down because I didn't know what the human pressure was. So I got down at 930 and I drove the whole place and I just dropped little access icons anywhere I saw trucks parked. Okay. Um, be- because most of what I've been told is that on that WMA, uh, people tend to hunt the same spots every time. So I just wanted to know where they were, because if I ever get beat to one of my spots, it'd be good to have some kind of knowledge of like, okay, well, ignore that spot because, you know, the Nissan Xterra has been there every stinking weekend. You know, like, I kind of build that familiar knowledge. But uh, there was no hunter sign that afternoon where I was. And I think it might be because of how close I was to the road. Um, But, I mean, the deer sign was everywhere. And like I said, the camera was lighting up like the 4th of July. Yeah, that's that's two pluses. No, <laughs> no hunter sign, and you're getting uh, plenty of intel from your trail camera that gets to sit there twenty four seven, three sixty five, um, getting yeah. all those deer sightings. So, uh, I think you had a good plan, but you were also plagued with some weird weather. Uh, yeah. That that first, I mean, you only hunted that Saturday because you had uh, a wedding and things you had to go to on the Sunday, but you had storms constantly rolling in as well, which didn't help uh, the wind and. <laughs> A bunch of other yeah. factors, but you stuck it out, and that's really all you can do. And uh, yeah. and now you got a game plan going for the next time you go there. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it, we got two and a half inches of rain that day where I was, and it came in spurts. It wasn't like it was an all-day deal. It was just a straight deluge. You know, it was a frog strangler, and then it wasn't, and it was fine, and it was bluebird skies, and then it was a frog strangler again. So, um, you know, it, it – that's hunting dude and you know you make the most you can of it you pack yourself a lunch you sit in the car with the ac going and you just kind of you know pass it by um but i can tell you this much i think i need to buy one of those little portable pop-up umbrellas so that uh, i don't have to worry about the camera quite so much (laughs) right yeah exactly but you you also had a a camera arm debacle this weekend uh, as well (laughs) oh man i dude yeah so that wasn't the only debacle that i had actually i got so I took Dave Ebright's advice. Dave's a, a big, big uh, friend of the of the show. We talk a lot. Uh, in fact, we had him on recently to talk climbing systems. And one of the things he talked me into was climbing the tree twice. And I really hated doing that. But I thought, you know what? Dave's a no bull crap kind of guy. I mean, the dude just, he's a straight shooter. He's not going to tell you to do something if it makes your life more difficult. So for some reason I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to climb the tree, set my predator, come down, get a drink of water, cool off for a second, and then climb back up. And so I did that, except when I got to the top of the tree, I'm reaching around the backside of the tree and there was a little, it was a pine tree and there was like a little stub of a branch and it caught the strap. And when it caught the strap, it went crashing to the ground. (laughs) So (laughs) luckily I was only about 13 feet off the ground because I had cover at that, at that, at that height had plenty of perfect backdrop actually. So I climb back down. I'm kind of cussing and swearing under my breath, get back up, up, up the tree, hang the platform, come back down the tree, get my backpack and my bow, go back up the tree and and set everything up. Now the plan he gave me, the instruction he gave me was perfect. I mean, it was just beautiful, but then I get to the top of the tree and I can't get my camera base to set. And I'm camming this thing over, and I'm and it just it pops loose every time. And I'm looking at it like, what is going on? This is a cam buckle. It is not that difficult. You used it all year last year. Well, what I forgot was that after last year, I took the whole thing apart and stealth stripped every non-moving piece of of, of metal that was on it because one thing that it did do was make noise. 
And so when I did that, I fed the strap in backwards and the way that I needed to cam it was the opposite of the direction I was going. So I sat there for like 45 minutes. I kid you not. I kept looking at my watch like, dude, you've got to get this thing on there. And eventually I just had to like stop, you know, I mean, I got to quit fooling with this and sit quiet. Um, get out of the, get out of the stand, get ready for the evening hunt. And I get it set, get the arm locked in place, and then every time I move my camera out, the arm would droop down. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And it dawned on me that I probably didn't tighten the bolts properly. So, like I said, every every season you have that first hunt where you knock the dust off things. And unfortunately for you guys, there's no footage. There's no vlog from this past weekend. But uh, I think I've worked all the kinks out of my system. <laughs> and uh, it's just time to hunt. But, dude, it, it was... It was frustrating and funny at the same time how that weekend unfolded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you got out in the woods, man. So you got to be yeah. out in the woods uh, a little bit sooner than me. And uh, I was a little bit jealous. I'm like, man, I think Walk's going to stick something this weekend. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, hopefully I can get up there and help him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe maybe take some video of that and maybe some pictures or whatnot. Because um, I, I don't think I was doing anything. But uh, – I would have loved to have come up there uh, on a because you're talking about that opening day deer, um, which didn't happen in Georgia, but it can still happen in Florida. So, uh, yeah, opening day in Florida for you is a ways off uh, from here. So at least you get to stick it out there in some of those Georgia WMAs, and you got plenty of tags. So, Chasing yeah. Tails Nation is expecting some deer on the ground, Walt. Man, listen, it is not just Chasing Tails Nation. Uh, my wife. I made a venison roast. It was a venison sirloin roast on the smoker, and it was slap your dadgum grandma good. I'm talking, man, I just threw it on there on a whim, threw a little bit of, like, butt rub on there, some salt and some pepper, and put it on the grill uh, to smoke along with some Boston butts. I figured, you know, midday it would be a nice little snack. Dude, we sliced that thing up uh, thin and made sandwiches. We ate it outright with, oh, my God, dude, it was so good. I was like, dude... That's the last one you've got. That's the last roast you've got. Okay. Time to put some meat in the freezer. So I'm, my goal is to fill the freezer to its uh, to its highest capacity and have a conversation with Elena about uh, about maybe a chest freezer afterwards. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a good goal. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun year, man. And you know your deer season kicks off this weekend and. Uh, you're not, you're not going to make it there for the opening day, but I mean, you said the same thing last year and then you went on a tear. So I think that that's, that, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I hope it is. Um, I may actually not even be, or I may not be hunting the whole opening weekend, but I will be able to get out some of that first week. Um, I do have, I have one deer as of right now that I would consider, uh, shooting on camera um on my public private uh all that combined um so I'm, I'm trying to get him figured out for the most part right now but uh with the generally like last year was kind of an anomaly for like the usually the first couple of weeks of bow season are not very good <laughs> um where i'm at and last year kind of disproved that <laughs> a little bit but uh <laughs> I'm hoping, like I said, I've got to get, there's, I've had an issue with my bow and I've been trying to uh, get it fixed, but the, the bow shop around here is not the best and they weren't able to get to it. So I'm, I'm actually going to take it down to uh, a patron of our show, uh, John and this Sunday, and hopefully we can get that, uh, fixed. I believe because I had to put, have a new string put on it last season. And because my string popped when it was riding around in my mm-hmm. vehicle, one of my climbing sticks hit it. And I believe they put the washers back wrong on the bow. So the cams are leaning hard. I've been trying to switch to a fixed blade uh, broadhead. I know I waited forever <laughs> this year because <laughs> um, I I got some new arrows. I was shooting those yep. for a while, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make. The, I need to make the switch to a fixed blade. And that's kind of when the debacle started of me trying to get a bear shaft. Um, out of this bow and realizing like even to get close to a bear shaft I was way off a center shot um, and I kept like tinkering with it and I know you have the same cam system as I do so I'm like hey well send me a picture of your cams I was like I swear these things are leaning hard <laughs> and it just looks weird to me and sure enough you sent me a picture of your cams and 
it looks like they added a washer to like a thick washer to the other side that shouldn't have one um and that's where it's leaning at so i I don't have a press or anything and uh so luckily john does and uh i'm hoping to get that worked out on sunday so i can uh, get dialed in and ready to to rock and roll um i did shoot a deer with it last year like that but i was shooting uh mechanicals last year and i've been wanting to uh beef up my system a little bit i mean i haven't completely taken the uh the ranch ferry dust a hundred percent but i did want to get a little bit more foc a little more weight um and shoot a uh, fixed blade broadhead uh, especially since i'm headed out to iowa this year and we'll be shooting a deer that's probably close to twice the size of the deer here in <laughs> yeah. florida grown so deer <laughs> i definitely don't want to be shooting any flappers um at the grown deer uh while i'm there um so yeah so I'm hoping to get that fixed and be able to get back out there as uh, soon because, I mean, I, technically, I don't have weekends. I have, like, days here and there mm-hmm. that I can go hunt. So it's not like I can, only can hunt Saturday or Sunday. Um, sometimes I won't even – I'm not able to hunt the weekends, and I'm able to just hunt some of the weekdays. So it's mm-hmm. kind of all over the map. And then I'm planning on uh, – I've got a block planned to take off where I'm almost taking off a month from work. Uh, starting late October through uh, kind of the mid uh, November time frame for hunting here and traveling out to uh, Iowa and maybe Missouri. So mm. I got a good feeling I'm going to get a lot of uh, hunting done <laughs> during that time, and that's when it's the best to hunt uh, here and for there. So I'm kind of building up. I'll probably be building up some of that. Hopefully between now and then I can either stick a buck here or maybe a doe or two. Uh, before that so yeah man get excited it's it's here it'll be season uh dude in less than two days as of right now so uh, i'm looking forward to it i'm looking i'm hoping to uh see some pics from our patrons and listeners of the show and my buddies i can't wait to get the first text uh this season from either you or one of my buddies of uh, a buck down yeah yeah, man, I, I'm excited, dude. You're you're toting the camera this year. You got a new camera arm, dude. Tell everybody about your camera arm you got. Yes, yes, I got the uh, what is it? The fourth arrow, the new fourth arrow yep. uh, Talon uh, camera yep. arm. So uh, I, I set that up the other day. It's super solid. Um, I mean, is it a little? It's a little bit heavier than I think the what is it? The pocket arm from Lone Wolf. But yep. I mean, that thing is super solid. Um, it's well built. Uh, I I got a fluid head for it uh, as well that that I put on there, and uh, I'm look for I look forward to rocking with it this season and hoping to get some uh, footage uh, for everybody this year. So I don't know. It always seems like when I switch to something new that I always have like a season of where uh, <laughs> things don't work out. But I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen with the camera. I'm hoping the camera doesn't jinx me this year. Yeah. But uh, I mean. <laughs> I'll still get, I may still get a bunch of deer on camera. It just may not be deer within range or whatnot, but uh, I'm hoping that I can, uh, people can kind of follow along with me this season and uh, see how uh, I do things. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, I just want to point out here that uh, your first season from a saddle was a badass season. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Maybe I'd, so, I'd like to play mind games with myself. I don't want myself to get too hyped up yeah. <laughs> over the season. So you can imagine, but I always poor mouth it. Even to you, I'm like, man, I'm not feeling it this year. I uh, know, I know. I, I, I don't. I was like, I, I think it's just I don't want to put a lot of pressure on myself. <laughs> so I just go, oh, it's going to be a bad season. Well, not a bad season, but just a grind, um, which most of them are. Um, just last season, just everything kind of fell into place for me. So uh, I wouldn't say that I'm going to. I, that I'm going to tear it up like I did last year, but I don't know. I'll have to see how the season goes. And uh, I'm really looking forward to going out to uh, Iowa and just experiencing uh, some cool weather and maybe some deer that respond to calling and maybe see some fighting, all that good stuff that we don't see a lot down here. Uh, I'm looking forward to going up and uh, experiencing. Yeah, man. This fall, man, I'm just – I'm really feeling good about it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, oh, I can't wait because, 
you know, we're going to smash this boon and crap. It's not like that. I just like we've got so much planned that there's no conceivable way to me that you and I don't just have like something awesome happening. I mean, if you look at if you look at what we've got going on, I sat down and put like pen to paper and thought about this the other day. So in early October, I'm going to Southeast Georgia to hunt the rut. Right, so I get to start my rut hunting in mid October. I've got a f- I've got a five day hunt then. Then in early November, you're going to Iowa with the possibility, or early late October, early November, you're going to Iowa with the possibility of going to Missouri if all things go according to plan. I'll be hunting a rut quota hunt here, then going up to North Georgia for several days to do a black bear hunt, which just got put on my radar. My little brother has identified several black bears up there by his house, so we're gonna go hunt black bear. Then in Thanksgiving, I'm going back up to North Georgia to hunt the rut in North Georgia. Coming back home in early December, you and I start kind of tinkering with the idea of, you know, our later season uh, quota hunts. But, you know, I, I drew an awesome quota hunt in Southeast Georgia, which is the rut. I mean, the the main theme here is I'm chasing the rut from like October all the way, you know, into December. And then we've got our late season rut camp uh, in late January. I mean... This is going to be a, a humdinger of a year. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot that's going to be going on between the uh, two of us, for sure. Yeah. Um, so just uh, I, I hope that um, – I hope we can catch – get good footage for everybody and just come back with awesome stories this year uh, for the podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's the benefit of being a storytelling podcast is for us, we are simply trying – to document what we do, share that with people, and get them excited. And and one of those stories we get to bring you today, we were able to track down Alex Comstock from Whitetail DNA. Dude's an animal. He is he's one of those guys that when I was getting into self-filming, I just poured over all of his film. And we were able to, to, to hijack about a half hour of his time and share the story of his North Dakota velvet buck that he hammered, which is an absolute beaut of a deer. And and at the time you're listening to this episode, you can go to his YouTube channel and listen, or not listen, but you, I mean, I guess you could just listen, but you can watch his hunt unfold. He got it all on camera, um, and, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. He's a He's an awesome guy who is absolutely dedicated to his craft. Yeah, yeah, he is. It was a, it was a kind of a unique story. Um, it's always kind of cool when you get to see people go out and hunt early season where they have a opportunity at a velvet deer, uh, which yep. he did in this case, and ended up taking a velvet deer. Uh, all I, that's that's on my bucket list. I don't care where it's at, but I definitely want to go hunt somewhere where I have an opportunity uh, to uh, take a velvet <laughs> deer. I mean, closest here is maybe that Tennessee or Kentucky hunt. Uh, is the closest for us but i also want to get out west at some point and chase the whitetails out there i mean he told a story of there were 40 deer out in a a bean field unreal um, one day and i mean i just want if anything just to go out there and see 40 deer in a field and uh, get to see big velvet bucks i mean there were some it sounded like there were some slammers out there uh, of some big velvet bucks so it sounds like there's a lot of good opportunity out in north dakota uh, where where he was at and North Dakota also is kind of unique in that if it's not posted that you can hunt there, <laughs> which is has always kind of blown my mind. I know there's other states out there that are kind of along the same way. I think Massachusetts is one of those states where if it's unposted, then you can it's, you can hunt it. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. Uh, I know the tethered guys were out there. I think they had a lot of good success out in North Dakota. So hopefully one day I can get out there uh, and, and pursue some <laughs> uh, velvet bucks, man. I, I really want to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, I think anybody who says they don't want to do something like that is full of crap, personally, because <laughs> that is just too too fun a hunt, man. I mean, it's just a it looks like an absolute blast. So maybe we need to add that to our uh, our list of of hunts we need to go on, dude. Oh, for sure. Uh, if you if we're not adding <laughs> on together, then I'm going to go myself. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So uh, chalk that up to uh, Walt and Chase will soon be going to. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> if you think I'm letting you go to North Dakota without me, you've lost your mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to let you get to that story. But before we do, just want a quick reminder, we are sitting very close 
to the time in which we are going to be giving away a set of three fully tricked out Timber Ninja C1 carbon fiber tree sticks. And uh, if you don't know about these, check out the podcast that we did with Timber Ninja. We, we went into great detail with these. These things are ridiculously light, ridiculously balanced. They come with an internal cable system that is just unreal. And I got a YouTube uh, video that's going to drop very soon outlining these. But if you want to get in on it and you want a chance to win them, check out the link below in the show notes below, patreon.com. That money goes towards the operating costs of the show. It helps us go to places like North Dakota. Missouri, all those places that we, we, we've talked about, and uh, we just appreciate you guys helping to support the show, and that's our way of saying thanks. So, so what do you say? Get, let them get onto the podcast. Yeah, let's get onto the podcast with Alex. All right, everybody, we are back with another fun episode. I'm excited about this one because here we sit, middle of September, deer season, and some parts of the country have kicked off, and tonight we get to bring you a success story. Alex Comstock has been kind enough to join us. Dude, I appreciate you taking time out your evening. You have got a busy schedule, it appears. Yeah, I I, uh, I keep pretty busy, especially during this time of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the time of year to stay busy for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, no doubt. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of followed you for a while now. In fact, as I started to, uh, you may not know this, I probably have never said this, but as I started to get into self-filming, I watched a lot of your stuff, not just from an entertainment perspective, but as like a, oh, I want to replicate that kind of, of video. So uh, keep keep doing the awesome things, dude. But I've been, uh, you know, quietly stalking you from YouTube for a little while now. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun little, you know, adventure learning how to self-film and now turning filming into a, a full-time job as a self-filming young dude for you. It's been going well for you. Uh, it, it has been an adventure. We'll, we'll say that. I got I got my first kill on video last year, and uh, I hope to to, nice. to build on that. It was just a dough, but uh, that 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 was a hard earned dough. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. I don't think people realize when it comes to you know, there's obviously an added element in general, but then when you're self filming, there's just a, there's a lot going on in the tree with one person. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's very easy to look at that bag sitting on the side of the tree as you're setting everything up and be like, meh, maybe we'll film tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but today we are not talking about self-filming. We are talking about a hard-earned buck, uh, one that you, you have put in a lot of time uh, getting after. And this year you were successful in North Dakota, and I know uh, we've got a limited time tonight, so why don't we jump right into the story um was this public was this private how'd you go about you know selecting this piece that you were on yeah so this was actually a, a thin slice of public um it's you know it's interesting because this property i've known of for you know since i've really been out in north dakota hunting so for five years and i hunted it one time five years ago didn't really see much and i've shed hunted a few times and for whatever reason it's just a small it's a it's a big chunk of wood and it's you know a little strip essentially a county land that for whatever reason i don't know even why it is what it is but that you can hunt and i've just kind of written it off never hunted it um since then and one of my buddies that i was with his last night so it would have been um sunday september 6th he did a hanging hunt there and we were just talking about just trying to like do an off the wall spot for him it was the last night he went in and did a hanging hunt and saw like 40 deer including he saw 10 bucks um, two over 150, like it was just like a crazy mm. hunt. And then, so I, he had to leave that after that night. So I said, you know, leave your stand there and, you know, I'll go in there in the next morning. Cause we are having a cold front come through. Um, and so I, I went in the next morning and that's how I, I picked that spot. That's awesome. What kind of history did you have like with North Dakota prior to now? Um, so I lived out, I actually graduated from college out in North Dakota. So I, I lived out that's where I became familiar hunting out there. Because when I was going to school, I just, you know, didn't want to travel back home to hunt all the time. So, gotcha. Started hitting stuff up around there, and now North Dakota is, you know, one of my favorite places to hunt. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is it the uh, early season that you like the most out there, or just in general? I'd say in general, you know, I mean, early season can be really good. I've had years where it's, you know, where it sucked. Um, and the rut, you know, out there, everything's so dependent on crops. Like the rut's usually really good. I have a couple of really good rut spots. 
last year it was super wet and the corn didn't come out of like anywhere and so the rut is not like what it usually is and then late season can be really good too because you, you can bait out in north dakota so really especially in the late season can make some of your hunts pretty so can you bait on on public uh public land you can bait on so in north dakota it's really it's a very interesting state but you can hunt non-posted lands it's not posted it's like it's not uh-huh. technically public but anyone can hunt it you can bait that stuff but like wildlife management areas and stuff like that you can't bait you cannot so this this part that you were hunting it was public or or non-posted just to clarify, this that I w- that I was hunting was was public. Gotcha, yeah, was like, gotcha. But yeah. it sounds like the majority of that state is kind of like uh, pick a spot you want to hunt, and as long as it isn't posted, it's fair game, which is pretty much a yeah. pretty nice paradise. I mean, yeah, it's it gives you some unique opportunities. You know, there are some things that come with that where you know you might pick a spot out on the map, you go check it out, it's posted, you can't hunt it, or you might be hunting a spot, it's not posted, you're running cameras in there, yada yada, you show back up two months later and you know the landowner decided to post a property and now you can't go in there legally you know gotcha so i actually had that happen on a spot this year it's a spot we've hunted for five years i showed up and you know put cameras up in july i went back out there late august it was posted so luckily for me the landowner actually posted it right where they put their phone number on the sign so then i called and was actually able to secure permission so it was even better yet i'd rather have private permission (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think we all would by and large. Right. <laughs> exactly. So what was the weather like uh, in, in the, what is the weather like in early uh, season North Dakota? Cause I, I imagine it's a little cooler than it is in Florida. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I've hunted out there years, early season, you know, opening weekend where it's in the eighties and nineties. Um, this year was pretty mild. You know, we had mid seventies, I think one day we hit 80, but it was mid-70s till the last couple days of the hunt when we got a huge cold front that rolled through. And, I mean, the morning that I killed my buck, it was, you know, 40 degrees. No. So, it, yeah, we had a pretty <laughs> sizable temperature drop. Did that do something good for their movement? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so, right? That was a dumb question. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, a big reason why, I, you know, I went in, you know, typically won't hunt mornings the first weekend of September, but when we had a cold front like that, yeah. Just given the spot that I was hunting, it, it kind of worked. It was kind of a perfect storm to pull off a morning hunt. Let's kind of set the stage for going into this hunt. Had you identified this deer prior to that, or did you just identify a good area that you were hunting? Yeah, once my buddy had hunted it the night before, we knew there was a lot of bucks in the area, and we were just kind of going in blind, essentially. Gotcha. Is, was this like a, a travel corridor type of situation? What, what exactly were you hunting? Yeah, so what I was hunting was a patch of oaks. Um you know, real close to where they were bedding, and I was probably 40, 50 yards off a bean field. And it was a big bean field where the deer were kind of filtering back towards bed, and I was essentially just cutting them off. Gotcha. Okay. What is What does bedding look like in North Dakota? Is it just briars like anywhere else? Um, it You know, North Dakota, it's very interesting, so it varies. You know, in some areas, you know, because in North Dakota, there's a lot of areas where there's just no trees or woods at all. And those areas are, you're talking cattail marshes and stuff like that. What I was hunting was, you know, actually legitimate, you know, timber. And they were just bedding, you know, pretty much. It was, you know, some thick timber, just some some thick wood, you know, nasty, you know, cover and briars and stuff like that. You know, pretty much, you know, actually in a big patch of, of woods. Gotcha. Interesting. I'm always fascinated by people who are able to hunt bedding because it's uh, such a... I won't say it's a difficult or impossible thing here, but if identifying bedding in an area where everything looks like bedding, it's always, it's always interesting to hear how people can pinpoint it. Right. And yeah. and for me, I, I didn't know exactly where they're bedding, but given that this is the only chunk of woods in the area, I figured they'd be right. bedding right, right in the timber. And so that's why, you know, big thing for us was we wanted to get in super early. So we were set up in the stand that morning, you know, roughly an hour and a half before first light. Wow. What's huh. the uh, okay. what's the competition out there like for uh, public land? Is there a lot of hunters out there? Or... Where I hunt, so I'd say North Dakota, It's I'd say it's definitely gaining more attention, but overall I would still call it an underrated state. And I probably hunt in one of the most underrated portions of the state, 
So we didn't see another deer hunter the whole time during opening weekend. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I'm going to pull up Zillow real quick. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, it was overrun with <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're talking about North Dakota for us from like Florida in the South, I mean, you're talking like what? 22 24 hours of driving probably maybe more yeah. so it's not like yeah. it's close to uh the southern states for guys to just go oh, i'm gonna go out to north dakota for a few days uh to hunt yeah. because a full day of that 24 hours probably is gonna be driving to get there maybe more than that that's that's a point of drive yeah yeah unfortunately for you we have a lot of listeners in michigan and wisconsin so yeah, much shorter drive for them <laughs> Oh man, and it seems like houses. Uh, out of curiosity, I've just pulled up Zillow. They are very affordable in North Dakota as well. <laughs> yeah, once you get out out of the in the country a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's a here's a forty five hundred square foot house for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I will take it. <laughs> Anyways, back to your story, dude. So you kind of had some intel going into this area. It was your hunting bedding area. Um, the cool front had you optimistic. It had to have had you all optimistic going into this hunt. What were your expectations? I mean, given the night before that, my buddy Garrett had seen, you know, 40 deer and 10 bucks, which, you know, is a lot of deer anywhere. And out there, like North Dakota has got, I'd say a pretty big structure and you can see quite a, quite a few, uh, bucks, but to see that amount of that many deer is it's a lot. So we, you know, we had really high expectations going into the hunt and, not knowing exactly what to expect. We we knew we were going to be in deer. We just didn't know. You know, the big thing with the night before is Garrett didn't have a ton of deer in bow range. You know, he had probably 10 or 11 deer that came through within 20, 30 yards. Sure. So a lot were popping out in other areas and coming out of the beans. He was watching 100-plus yards away. So that was a big question mark going into the hunt. Right. Okay. Well, sounds like you had a good uh, observation set from somebody else. Um Exactly. So did I mean did he give you an idea of like hey the like the bucks were coming out of this area or anything for you to be able to set up that morning? Yeah, he did. And, you know, he was able to you know cuz he lives or he, we're from the same area so we were coming back to the same spot so he was able to just leave his stand in the tree for me. Oh, okay, that's right. I remember you said you hunted the same oh, stand. Oh wow. Yeah, so it was really nice, and that's where using something like Onyx was awesome because he just marked it. He marked his, you know, track on the way out, sent that to me, and then I just, you know, I had my cousin with me who was filming, and so we just followed the track, you know, and all of a sudden I look up, and boom, we're at the tree. So it was pretty – it worked out super slick. Okay, hold on. What did he know that he felt like walking away from that spot? He had to be back home. Okay, before. all right. <laughs> yeah, so it was just a perfect storm for me to shoot a deer, which would have been his deer if he was could have stayed an extra day. <laughs> oh <Right>. man, <laughs> man, I dude, I'd be sick if I if I was him. Like the fact that you know you couldn't be there and yet you still managed to hammer down. I mean, that's. I mean, I'd be happy for you. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely would be like, "That should have been my deer." <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he is. But he's good. We do all of our hunting together here in Minnesota too. So yeah, he's a, he'll be able to make a return trip out to North Dakota, and I'm hoping to be able to go out with him and film. So I think hopefully it'll work out for him too. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a good trade off. Break it, break it down for us. Like take, 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 take the stage, and, and and you know tell the story of how it went down that day. Yeah. So we. Like I said, we went in, you know, for the morning and, you know, I mean, it was an early pickup call from camp. We had a, we woke up at, I don't know, it was like 3.15, 3.20 in the morning um, to get out, to get out. You know, it was about a half hour drive or so. And then we wanted to, just, we really wanted to, you know, figure the last day to do. So we wanted to just take our time, get in there early. So we made the drive out, you know, got, you know, actually as we pulled up, there was a about 140 inch buck crossing the road right in front of us. We're like, all right, well. That's not, it can't be a bad sign. <laughs> and, uh, we took our time walking in. We we're, you know, took, you know, it's about a three quarter of a mile walk back to where the stand was. And, you know, being that we hadn't been to the stand and we had to find the right tree, we just, you know, went slow, followed Garrett's track, um, on, on X just from my phone or whatever, got to the stand, got to the stand, 
Um, like I said, we were in a patch of oaks about, you know, we ended up being about 40, 50 yards off this bean field. And the bean field was private, so we couldn't actually hunt, you know, shoot out that way. Um, and then, you know, we took our time getting, you know, my cousin Caleb getting his stand up because we had to get the cameraman stand up. And then by the time we were all settled and ready to go, it was about, you know, about five in the morning. And we had, you know, till 620 till it was legal light. So we just sat there in the darkness and, you know, nothing came by. I didn't see anything. But as soon as it got just started to get light out, you know, I threw up my binos and out in the beans, you can just see, you know, shadows everywhere. And, and I could just tell there was deer out there. And then it got light enough to actually see. And there was a pile of deer out in the bean field, you know, probably 20, 25 deer. And to me, that was a great sign because the deer were still out in the beans. So I knew they were going to have to come back to bed eventually, and they were going to come either by me or I don't know if they were going to come by me exactly, but they had to come back to the woods I was in. You know what I mean? And, you know, all of a sudden, about sunrise, we had, or first light, I should say, legal light. We had, you know, does popping in, you know, because we couldn't see very far down the bean field. I had like a window out in front. So if deer were to my right or to my left, they could be coming all the way back to the woods without me seeing them. And so to my right, all of a sudden, a couple does popped into the woods and I had a couple small bucks and they all worked by at, shoot, 10 to 15 yards. So I was like, man, we can just get a, a buck to do this. That'd be great. And uh, then I looked out in the beans. I could see I had two really big bucks slowly working their way towards me, um, you know, two just giant 10 pointers. And as they're working their way closer, they go from, you know, 200 yards to 150 yards and they're just kind of meandering their way towards me, but I can't tell because there's other deer, you know, coming back and hit, going to the woods 100 yards down the tree line. And I don't know if they're going to do that or come into me. And all of a sudden, we look to our right and a deer into the woods and it's it's a, just a solid eight pointer in full velvet. And, you know, he's sitting there behind this tree for the longest time. And I barely got a glimpse at him. I couldn't tell if he was a shooter or not. And I took one more step and he's just still standing there and I can see his rack. And I had this probably five minute time frame between when I, you know, just with him standing there where I had to make a decision if I wanted to shoot him or not. And cause I've got these two giants working their way back towards me in this bean field that are considerably bigger than them. And it's, you know, that like, I've got this buck right here at 30 yards. I've got two giants out at 150 coming my way. It's the last day of the hunt. What, what do I do? You know? And then he turned and started coming by, coming by and he hit a scrape at 30 yards. And I made the decision to shoot him because I wanted to just, I mean, I had the opportunity right there. And I didn't know if the other opportunities would present itself and being that it was the last day of my hunt. I didn't know if I was going to be back to North Dakota till late season. So I, uh, I sent it and made a perfect shot. And they took off, and then, you know, right after I shot them, I looked back up to the beans, and those bucks were still coming. At this time, they, they looked like they were coming right at me. And then about a minute later, a coyote came and cleared the field, and that kind of validated my decision. And I was just oh. – I was super pumped. Probably would have messed up, you know, the shot, even the buck that I took if, if he would have came, you know, a couple minutes earlier. Yeah. When you released the arrow, did it did it feel like it was a good shot? Yeah, I knew right away. I, yeah was you know perfect shot and we watched it back on on the video you know not too long after and knew he wasn't gonna go far yeah did now in the photo that you got uh that or the photo that struck me was him in the creek is that is that how you found him like he just yeah it is it was super interesting because you know and it ended up being once we found him you know perfect double lung shot um you know the first he bled like, I mean, the first hundred yards, it was like following the yellow brick road, you know, I mean, you could see blood up 20 yards ahead and then all of a sudden it just stopped dry and there was nothing. Oh, we were like, what in the world? You know, we were in some tall, tall, you know, grass, you know, waist high. And it was, you know, we we're like, what the heck? And then, so we knew there was this crick, and we kind of just spread out and walked towards the crick, and he made it another, he probably made it a few hundred yards, which was crazy to me, but. Yeah, uh, and we found him right in the middle of the creek. So it was, it was made for some cool pictures. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's. I I've had a couple opportunity. I've had a couple hunts. Chase actually last year, you had a similar situation where that you lost blood on your deer, and I don't know if the listeners who have ever had this happen, but when it does, that is an agonizing feeling when you lose the blood trail. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Especially man. when you know the shot's good. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. I knew he was dead. And it was like, man, I thought this would be a cakewalk. And then, <laughs> you know, it didn't take us long, but there's that, those moments of just, yeah, just agony. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you, even as confident as you felt in that moment when you, when the arrow struck, I mean, did you, ha- did you have any confidence remaining when the, when the blood dro- dro- uh, dried up on you? Yeah. It's almost like that just eternal optimist where I knew he was dead and I knew he, he couldn't have been yeah. more than a hundred yards from where I was standing. Yeah. It was just like with how thick it was, I knew it also could take us, you know, it might take two hours to find him if there's no more blood, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're you're better than man than me because I have to constantly remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, if, it, if it's like when you're in that exact same situation and the shot couldn't be marginal, or if you didn't get it on film and you're not exact, and then you start second guessing yourself, that's you know the beauty of filming where sure you know if you can get the shot on video, like there was no second guessing. It was a straight pass through right behind the shoulder. The arrow, you know, was chock full of blood, you know, all bubbly blood. So. You know, but you when do. you don't have that yeah. ability, when you, yeah. then you're like, oh, well, did I bring it back a little bit? You know, and then all of a sudden you start second guessing yourself. That's when you get in a whole world of trouble. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could for sure <laughs> see that. So, well, dude, that's uh, that's awesome. Now, I want to have you back on to talk self filming because I like talking to guys who. Uh, have made their life difficult and they've got, they always have funny stories. There's things that happen when you're self filming. That is why we tote the camera. Um, so I'd, I'd love to have you back on. Maybe, maybe that'd be a good spring topic and, and we could, you know, do a how to t- type of podcast, uh, for, for people wanting to get into it. Cause that's something we get a lot of questions about, but, uh, man, where, where can everybody go to view this hunt? Yeah. So if you just go to YouTube, type in whitetail DNA, my channel will pop right up and, you know, I don't know what day this video, this podcast goes live, but as we're recording, the video will go live tomorrow morning. So it'll be live by the time this is up. So, good deal, man. Well, Chase and Tails, Chase and Tails Nation, do me a favor, go blow up his feed with likes, subscribes, comments. Just spam the dude to death. Go, go ahead over and check out his channel. It's an awesome thing. And Alex, I appreciate you taking time to uh, share a success story with us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I would love to jump on again and do the self-filming one. All right, bud.